0: It's the Hoffman Show. We are on the team 980. We are always live as well on the Free Odyssey app. We will be streaming live on YouTube in a moment, Anthony. Oops, oh, uh, OBS just crashed. So YouTube's going to be another another moment because because stuff's not working. My camera, my camera's not firing. Anthony, you see me. But the home, the home studio setup is—it's uh, revolting against me, Anthony. What are we gonna do?
1: Uh, I think we're just going to talk until you know technology stops Technology, Yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, yeah. we're on the radio, which is the most important thing, and uh, we'll continue to do that. Uh, you know, the the whole radio show thing because that's our—that's our job. Uh, as as ZK likes to remind me, our my boss slash our boss. Uh, hey, the YouTube stream is is great, but like we pay you to do the radio show. So um here's what we got coming up on the radio show uh, that will eventually stream live on YouTube today. Um, we got do we have Cordell at five o'clock by the way Anthony Yes sir all right Cordell Woodland coming up at five o'clock he is a Ravens insider uh, so we will be talking to him about uh, of course the Ravens game this weekend. Uh, we will also be talking to him about the coordinators there Anthony. Weaver, or I guess you'd say the, the coaches there that are candidates here, Anthony Weaver, uh, the defensive coordinator, uh, or the defensive line coach in Baltimore, and Mike McDonald. Uh, we will give you the latest in the Commanders coaching search in that sense. And also, I, I don't know if you know this, Ant, but Cordell is actually a big Commanders fan, even though he covers the Ravens. So he's got a nice pulse on what's going on here, too. Uh, so we'll do that, and then we'll also uh, talk about the AFC championship game uh, also, we we were gonna do this yesterday, but with the um, with with the Wizards news yesterday, we oh Lord, throat going crazy today. Um, with the Wizards news yesterday, we did not get a chance to play our chat with Jim Nagy from Take Command. So uh, we will definitely do that uh, coming up today. Jim is of course the senior director or the executive director. I beg your pardon. Of the Senior Bowl, and he is really locked in on one. He worked with Adam Peters for a bunch of years, two, he's locked in on all the prospects. So we talked to him on take command, tremendous insight. And the Senior Bowl is next week, so we will get him uh, coming up uh, in, in just a little bit as well. Um, obviously, preview the playoff games this weekend, so a uh, big old show coming up. Over the next three hours. Um, but we'll start the show. Actually Anthony. What I was doing right before the show. Was I sat on my couch over there. My new fancy couch that's upstairs here. In my, my home office. And I turned my little TV. That currently you are on. And I fired up the old YouTube. And uh, we, we started watching some quarterbacks. And I'm not going to say. That this is the official. Launch of. Uh, of our quarterback guide. So what my hope is like Monday, Tuesday of next week, we well, probably not Monday because Monday we'll do a lot of, uh, reaction to the playoff games, but let's say, let's, let's jot in for Tuesday or Wednesday of next week, a full, like official Hoffman show beginners guide to the 2024 quarterback class. So what I was able to do today was watch one full game worth of throws For three guys. I watched Drake May versus Notre Dame. I watched Jaden Daniels versus Alabama. And I watched Caleb Williams versus Oregon. Um, I started to watch Bo Nix versus uh, versus Washington. And uh, I got interrupted. So I, I got the top three guys. Who are the most important for the commanders, if we're being honest. Because it is very, very likely, 95%, let's say, that they draft one of those three. Maybe it's not that high. I don't know. We'll we'll get to it because um, I I do still think like we we are way too early in the process to rule out a trade down situation or or anything else. Um, but I watched I watched one games worth of those three guys. Every drop back they had. TV copy not all twenty two, which is relevant, um, and it becomes especially relevant, I will say, for May and Williams. I watched a full game of Williams and a full game of May. And I think between those two, I might have seen five throws on time. Those dudes never play on schedule, and it is like I've I've started to see in some scouting reports, and Logan has mentioned this as well that for May it looks like Tall Sam Howell a lot, and I've also seen people start to call that out. It's like, oh, that's lazy analysis. You're just scouting the helmet. And I'm like, I don't know, man. With Drake May, there's a lot of tall Sam Howell. Now, there are benefits to being a tall Sam Howell. The playmaking stuff is great. The arm strength, the ability to make big-time throws, like uh, the ability to make these, holy crap, how did he do that type of plays. Like there's, there's a lot of stuff that like when Sam was rolling this year that you're like, hey, if he can get the other stuff, that's great. I can't teach the stuff he's doing right now. Excellent. Uh, let's let's have ourselves a, a Sam Howell party. Obviously, that party ended, um, but you see a lot of that stuff with May. And then if you're taller, uh, theoretically, once you get into an NFL system, Sam's inability to see the middle of the field uh, it looks like over some of his offensive linemen at times is is tremendously discounted. You could actually see some more on time stuff over the middle of the field once he gets into an NFL system with that about coaching, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But the big arm, the ability to make, it feels like every throw um, is there. And it, it feels like he can make every throw until you watch Caleb Williams play. And then Williams does, has, like, the Patrick Mahomes bag of throws, and you're like, oh, neat. I see why everybody loves him. I also could see Caleb Williams, like, to be clear, I am not trashing Caleb Williams, nor do I think he's going to play him out and bust. But I could see how it happens. And I think that's interesting for a guy that is universally seen as the number one pick because that – like, think of – like, I don't know, Anthony, how much have you watched Williams? How much uh, did you watch him this year?
1: I probably watched like six,
0: six games maybe. Okay. You, man, you're up late. They don't never – speaking of never on time, they don't play on a time that, I, that your boy's awake. Yeah. Not in this household.
1: West Coast. College I mean, football. He, he, Not a chance. He's also from here, so I, yeah, I No, to give him some love.
0: Yeah, no, I, I mean, all, all the love for, for the DMV kid. But, like, think of Patrick Mahomes' craziest highlights. The ones where he scrambles for 10 seconds, winds up spinning three times, like crosses through the pocket twice, and then underhand throws the ball to someone 35 down, yards down the field on a dime. In that uh, game against Oregon, which they lost, by the way, it felt like he did that seven times. You're like, and and the rest of the plays, he's running around like crazy. Like, he is all over the damn place. Now, I realize it's one game. I got to watch a lot more. But the high-end, like, Mahomesian nonsense that actually works, Caleb Williams has that bag. And there is, and then you see the occasional, like in the game, there are three to four throw. I mean, I'm not I don't think I'm over exaggerating here. There are three to four throws that are on time and where he just hits it and like there's there's obviously some quick game stuff and like some predetermined screens and things that are on time. But I'm talking drop back, ball hits or back foot hits, ball is out, and that dude can zip it. Like even in college one, the camera angle at whatever stadium they were at, I think it was I think it was at Oregon. It was. The camera angle super wide, so everything just feels tiny, um, compared to like what it feels like in, in the NFL and where the cameras are uh, and the zoom level, and not to mention with the hashes, the field feels enormous because some of these throws are so long. But like Williams can rip it, and that's really impressive. So from a trade standpoint, I understand why he's the, he's the undisputed number one guy. His escapability, his playmaking ability, his arm strength, his ability to throw from different arm angles. Like Caleb Williams is extremely impressive. Um, but I also see, like I got done watching uh, Jaden Daniels versus Alabama, and I immediately understood why some scouts are going to have him number one. I don't know whether any teams will. Like will, will there be a GM who has three scouts that all think Jaden Daniels is better and He's the number one guy in in that team, and certainly is that team Chicago. It does not feel like it at this time in the draft process. But if you want to watch a game where a quarterback has his feet underneath him, is making tight window throws against a high-quality defense, is able to showcase extremely high-level athleticism as a runner, making guys miss, great angles in the run game in terms of how he uh, makes guys miss and like kind of that Lamar type of thing, Not necessarily the jukiness of Lamar. But you know when Lamar runs and it just feels like everyone else is playing in quicksand, Jaden Daniels does that to Alabama. And then on the on the throwing side again, feet underneath him, on time, often on target. It's not amazing, but it's really good. And he does have some misses, of course. But, like, generally speaking, he's getting the ball out within the the scheme on time, on target. And I just think, like, he looks so much more composed where May and Williams in the games that I watched of them drop back and it's like they're waiting to go make a playoff schedule. Daniels is like, can I? Yep. Bang. Can I? Yep. Bang. Can I? Nope. Shift. Shift. Oh, there's a throw. Bang. Can I shift? No. Oh, crap. Here comes Dallas Turner. Run away from Dallas Turner and four other NFL guys for a 35-yard gain. I will say, on the con side for Daniels, I think I mentioned this the other day. I saw a tweet that I wholeheartedly agree with. Every time Jaden Daniels takes a hit, he looks like a Looney Tunes character. And that does scare me a little bit. It just feels like there's limbs that go everywhere. So I will say... That's a little bit scary. Um, you would like a little more... You'd like to feel a little bit better about his, his solidity. Like, when, when even young Russell Wilson like was out there running around, like, Russ was small. Sam has this, too. Like, those guys are small height-wise, but they get hit. And unless you get, like, hit, rocked, like Sam did, that, that hit early in the year against Arizona, Man. where anybody is going to look like they got rocked. It does. He, they don't take clean hits. Like, Russell Wilson never gets hit clean. Jaden Daniels gets hit clean quite a bit. So, that is something he's going to have to learn. He's going to have to learn how to slide. He's going to have to learn how to not take as many direct shots because the dudes in the NFL are bigger and faster, and that's going to hurt. More. But, if he can learn how to not get hit and look like a Looney Tunes character, I do really like Jaden Daniels and through... One random game each of watching, and I realized that I picked, I accidentally it just happened to be what YouTube recommended. This wasn't even a conscious choice. I started with Jaden Daniels versus Alabama, and then I saw a Caleb Williams game or Drake May game pop up, and I clicked it. I didn't know the result. I didn't know what happened. It happened to be a loss to Notre Dame, where he does make some really good throws. Like some of the downfield stuff for him is like very very special, and also plays into the Sam Howell comparison. But like that dude can throw a deep ball. Um, and then and then another Williams popped up every throw versus Oregon. I was like, sure, click, watch that. Um, so I picked one of Daniels' best games and probably middle of the pack to not great for the other two, especially Williams versus Oregon. I, I know that was one of his worst games of the season. Um, I, I, my ranking would be Williams, understanding that there's a lot more there and uh, to watch and also seeing the traits, Daniels and then May. And I'm my plan is over the weekend and into early next week to try to watch at least three, if not four to five games of each of those guys. And let's say three each of Penix, Knicks and uh, MJJ McCarthy and then be able to give kind of a better summary. We'll do like a 20 minute segment where we do a Hoffman show beginner's guide to the 2024 NFL draft quarterback class. So we'll do that next week. Very much looking forward to it, um, Anthony. In the meantime, what the hell do we? I like. We, we've had so much stuff going on today. We've we've tossed around so many ideas. What else? Are, what else are we doing on the show today? What's What's coming next? What's What's on the plan? What'd you put in the rundown
1: or next? Yeah, uh, I thought we was mainly going to talk about uh, Daniels, and uh, we
0: take some calls on the quarterback stuff. Yeah, maybe that, and then he'd uh, take a man. Okay, so that's that's the plan. Uh, let's do that. We will take your calls next. 301-230-0980. Who's your favorite of those top three? And do you think one of the next three can break into that bunch? I can also tell you the one that I think will break in potentially and, and why I don't think May is a lock to be QB3. That's next. It's the Hoffman Show. We're on the Team 980 and always live on the free Odyssey app. It's the Hoffman Show. We're on the Team 980. We're always live as well on the Free Odyssey app. Four o'clock each and every day, our show starts, and that is when the Chris Russell Show ends. And uh, the Rooster's been nice enough on a Friday to grace us with his presence. What's up, dude? How are Hello, you? Hello,
1: Craig. How are you? Thanks for having I'm you, good.
0: Man. That you uh you you said that in a way that was like you felt surprised.
1: Uh, well when Anthony walked in and and asked me to come on I was like uh, you because know, I was listening because I'm being that you're not here today uh, in right. studio I'm just kind of taking over your space or not more mm. not mo- moving at basically a uh, very glacial pace is, is how mm. I would probably put it um, mm. So I was a little bit surprised. I was listening to you you know, talk about your breakdown of the quarterbacks and all that stuff. Uh, I, I've been so focused on the AFC and NFC Championship and who's obviously going to be the head coach. That's had to take a little bit of a back burner for me. But, uh, man, am I intrigued. I mean, this is going to – look, from a radio perspective, even though having the number 2 overall pick isn't always the best thing in terms of intrigue and possibilities – It is pretty intriguing and I think will keep us going because there's a couple of different ways they can go.
0: Yeah. Without question. And I think like, it obviously means that we had a not very fun season to
1: cover. Yes. Um,
0: That is, that is the nature of having the number two pick.
1: That is confirmed. Um,
0: But uh, I do think like, I I will say we're going to play next uh, our interview with Jim Nagy, who runs the senior bowl. You, you obviously know Jim uh, from, from your years going down there and um, just being around the NFL. And, he, like, he was the one who threw out to us, like, you know, hey, like, don't be surprised if if they trade back. And, like, you know, does the new coach, like, want to run it back with Sam Howell? And, like, I think we have all dismissed that as a possibility. I think realistically, mm-hmm. like, when you cover the team every day, you're obviously going to know a little bit better than the national people. Um, but I do think it is worth pointing out that the idea that they could trade back should still be on the table. And to me, next week is super intriguing mm-hmm. in that way. And I, I teased Chris, like... There could be one quarterback in the next group of three that could that could switch groups, that could bust that first group of three. And I think it's Bo Nix. Like I think the Oregon quarterback is going to rise tremendously in this process. And I also am very curious to see, what happens with Drake May, who's kind of been seen as this number two guy, but realistically, man, like the tape isn't that good from this year from the people that have watched it. And so if you got one guy who interviews great and his tape is just getting better throughout his college career, mm-hmm. one guy who had not a great year and is maybe riding a little bit on on preseason hype. I wouldn't be surprised if Bo Nix enters the equation. And if there's four quarterbacks in that top group, that definitely affects how Washington has to think about it.
1: Yeah. So a couple of things for me, Um, you know, um, and I still have a lot of work to do. So let me be clear on that. Um, I, I wasn't in love with Drake may when, you know, when I was first kind of thinking about, Oh, the number two overall pick and assuming that Caleb goes number one, Chicago, so on and so forth, which I guess we can't say for absolute certainty, um, you know, seems maybe highly likely he, seems highly we'll see. likely. Correct. But maybe it's a different team. Who knows? But, but it seems likely that he's going to go number one, but Drake made to me like when I walked away, I watched a lot of that Virginia game on that Saturday night. I don't remember mid October. I wasn't thrilled with him. The last two games at Clemson at NC state, you know, tough environments, road environments, but I wasn't like, wow, this guy, you yet you watch a bunch of the cutups ups. And I know you watch way, 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 way more than I'll ever be able to watch. You watch a bunch of the cut-ups, and you do see a kid with a juicy arm, Mm -hmm. size, just what you want, right? Can flick the wrist, can do whatever he wants. But I haven't been able, and, and maybe this is just me, I haven't been able to reconcile with what I've seen at other times. But is that... Is that me looking for negatives? Is that me looking oh. for like, well, he wasn't great every game, and I shouldn't hold that against him? Kind of like Ben Johnson, you know. And I'm just gonna, you know, make a weird comparison here. Sure. Like Ben Johnson and the Detroit Lions offense isn't great every time you see them, but by and large, he's put up really good ranking statistics, numbers, productions, design, this, that, and the other thing. But I mean, if you watch the wrong game, you're going to walk away going, eh, "Ben Johnson's sure. not for me." S- am I doing that for? Am I doing that for Drake May? Are you doing that for Drake May?
0: Well, I think I think part of the equation there is like how often, yeah. right? Because you know, if you go watch, I'm trying to pick, I'm trying to think if there's a good football player for this. I mean, shoot, you could do it with Sam Howell. If you want to watch the Sam Howell highlight tape. Sam Howell is one of the greatest quarterbacks he's ever played. Yeah. If you want to, you want to make a two minute cut up like some of the stuff that dude did this year was nuts. Yeah, throw to Terry against Denver. You know, some of the running around, like the toughness. You want to make a highlight tape of Sam Howell, sure. But watch every game, watch every snap, and see how often it's that versus the other stuff. Right. You know, if you want to take uh, J.R. Smith or Jamal Crawford's best games as NBA players, like those dudes scored fifty multiple times in their career. They also weren't the the guys you wanted to be the best player on your team because your team wasn't going to be very good because mm-hmm. they did that three times a season. You know they crossed forty three times a season and fifty once. You know as opposed to LeBron who averages thirty thirty a night. So I, I think it's a matter of like trying to predict, and this is what makes the NFL draft so hard. Chris is like, how often would you get in your system as an NFL head coach or you're an NFL OC and a GM? How often would you get good Drake May where he shows off that beautiful touch on the deep mm-hmm. ball where he can play pinball and then and then make a play versus he just threw it into the ground again or like why did you take that sack? Why did you why did you not get why can you never right. get the ball out on time? And by the way, Caleb Williams is kind of the same way. He's better than than May on his good, but that dude is never on time.
1: So I mean, there's so many questions that I have about all of these guys, but I, you know, and I know it's your show, so I, but I, I wanted to ask because you're you're more down so far from what I can tell on these guys than I was expecting because I thought from afar, and again, granted, I'm not either watching a lot of USC at 11 o'clock on a Saturday night. Just yeah, being honest, but me. I mean, I've seen a lot of cut ups, I've seen a lot sure. of clips, I've seen some parts of games. I, I, I look at Caleb Williams as being more you know, off-platform, play extension, uh, you know, razzle-dazzle, as opposed to just absolutely breaking your back from inside the pocket. Is that fair or no? Oh, yeah, no, that's
0: totally fair. And I think the question that people have is, like, how much of that was the offense, how much of that was his O-line, how much of that was the skill position around him, and can he do it? But I I think, like... You know, we obviously all were paying attention to that sack-to-pressure ratio number for Sam earlier this year. Mm -hmm. The numbers for pretty much all these quarterbacks in that number in college, which tends to translate pretty well to the NFL, are not good. Yeah, they're a
1: little little lower on May and uh, and Caleb than they are on Jaden Daniels,
0: right? Yes, and Michael Penix's number is like elite, and so if you want to look at that, like, Maybe Penix is like Penix is the guy from the pocket that I think is is most most intriguing. But like right. it becomes like, okay, how He's much did you do it in college? Yeah. He's 24, he had multiple Knee injuries. serious injuries. Like there's other stuff, but it's also like this is why you can't just watch college football right. and and say, you can do it there, you can do it here. And it's really hard. Like, there are some skills that translate. Like, if you can cover man-to-man in college in the SEC, you're probably going to be all right in the NFL. Like, you know, I always go – the NBA is my wheelhouse in a lot of the scouting stuff. I know more uh, of some of the – and honestly, it's an easier process. Uh, But, like, if you can rebound in college basketball, you'll rebound well in the NBA. Mm -hmm. That that trait has traditionally translated very well. If you're Caleb Williams running around like a crazy person – it doesn't mean you can't learn to play from the pocket in the NFL, and it doesn't mean you can do that uh, in the NFL either. So it's just, it's such a difficult projection, which sure. is why quarterback is a bigger crapshoot than, say, here's a better, more direct football comparison. Logan will tell you evaluating offensive tackles, really easy. If you can do it well in college, you're probably going to be pretty good in the NFL. Mm-hmm. And so that is why some of these positions are seen as more crapshooty, but, like, what are you going to do? Not take a quarterback because right. it's a crapshoot? No, you right. need
1: one. You know, and and just like to, uh, be, you know, before we run out of time, you mentioned Jim Nagy was talking about possibly trading down, and you just mentioned Penix, best in the pocket. And I mean, when you watch Penix in Washington, you see a surgeon. You see yeah. a surgeon from the pocket. But, again, there's all sorts of concerns there. One of the things that I've floated, and I don't know if you've talked about this, uh, maybe you have, and I've missed it, As I try and you know, listen to you guys on on the way home in traffic and beating my brains out and on the phone and whatever. Um, The only way that you exist exactly. Um, I've said I've said this. What if what if you don't love love these guys for various Mm -hmm. reasons, right? And I know it's hard to turn your nose at, at at any of these three guys at the top. But what if you say like Penix or Bo Nix a little bit more, and you say, all right, maybe we trade out of two, maybe we go to five, six, wherever whoever wants to jump up. Uh, Get some other help for our football team. And then what if you package a couple of the second round picks or maybe another, uh, you know, a later first round pick and a second round pick to move back into the, I don't know, 20, 21, 22 range of the first round and grab one of these guys again, a Knicks, a Penix, somebody like that there. And now you're getting more help for your football team. And you're getting better value theoretically and maybe a little bit more of a secure surefire projection. Is that fair?
0: No, I think that's I I don't know about the surefire projection part. And I think that's the part that makes it hard. If you could tell me like if we want to use Madden ratings, right? Mm -hmm. If you tell me that like I might get a 95 in Jaden Daniels, but he might bust or I could definitely get an 88 in Bo Nix like and trade down and get more stuff. Like I might just be like, give me the sure thing. Yeah, but the yeah. problem is, is, you know, that sounds better. Cause the risk feels lower. Cause it's a lower pick. Realistically, you're it's the same crapshoot. Like Bonix might also be a bust or Michael Penix might totally be a bust, um, which is why this is so hard, but I, I don't think that's crazy either. And I think a lot of fans have already decided if you don't take a quarterback at two, yep. like you're taking crazy pills. And I think to your point where we are hundred percent in alignment, uh, which always, I think terrifies the both of us, <laughs> <laughs> um, but where we are hundred percent in alignment is if you don't love one of these guys or you don't think there's that big of a difference between mm-hmm. them, maximizing your value becomes important. Cause like even, you know, I, I haven't even gotten this far in the draft yet, but Logan's watched all these guys at this point, And we were talking about it on take command the other day, like Joe Milton, the quarterback out of Tennessee, that dude throws the ball 85 yards in the air. Like, he is, he is going to be a top-of-the-second-round guy that is as physically gifted mm. as anyone in any draft. Now, is he accurate? Is he on time? Does he process it well? Like, all that stuff is why he's going to fall. But from a pure trait standpoint, like, that dude's insane. And so if you fall in love with that and you think, like, we know how to coach that and you have a good interview with him and everything— do you just say, we'll take, a, we'll take Marvin Harrison in it, too? Right. Like, Marvin Harrison's going to the Hall of Fame. Right. Like, and I'm not talking about his dad. I'm talking yeah. about Junior. Yeah. If, like, if, we, if we think that that dude's a Hall of Fame receiver and we're pretty confident we can get Joe Milton with the fourth pick of the second round, we'll do that. Like, I, I don't think any of that is unreasonable. That's why it's fun to talk about this stuff in January because everything is on the table. And we're going to learn a lot more starting next week with the Senior Bowl and then obviously Indianapolis and uh, on down the rest of the scouting process. Yeah, you which, got it. I'm, I'm with yeah. you. And
1: by the way, it doesn't scare me to agree with you. I mean, I That's feel good. almost better that, you know, because I'm considered the wackadoo of this radio station. <laughs> which, uh, by the way,
0: very high bar.
1: I mean, yes, exactly, <laughs> uh, and and I guess we'll all be wacky on stage next Friday night yes, in some way, yes, shape, or form. Is true. But I, like I mean, I it makes me feel right better now. because you know you're you're considered, you know, more scholarly and smarter and all that stuff, right? Eh, uh, certainly compared to me. I don't know, it's smarter. I, I don't know, but I mean, I, I do feel better that you're not like Chris. You're you're a big bleep and dummy. You know, by by maybe wanting to trade down,
0: you know. You are spot on here, my friend. Uh, And by the (laughs) way, as Chris just said, we will be at... Uh, Bethesda Theater. Next Friday, it's 1067 The Fan versus the Team 980 Live. Uh, obviously, talking about what they'll do with the number two pick, what they'll do in free agency. Uh, and by that point, we'll have our Super Bowl 58 matchup. We'll predict all of that, all off air, on stage, and uncensored. Get tickets today at BethesdaTheater.com, and it's sponsored by Main Street Bank. Cheer Local, Bank Local. Put their team in your office. Visit MStreetBank.com for more information. Rooster, appreciate some time, sir. Thank Thanks, you.
1: Greg. Appreciate you.
0: Have a great weekend. Uh, you we get back that conversation with Senior Bowl Executive Director Jim Nagy. It's the Hoffman Show. We're on the team 980, always live as well on the Free Odyssey app. Big thanks to Chris Russell for popping in with us for a segment. That was a really enjoyable segment. With Chris, and of course, you can catch his show 1-4 to 4 daily before us here on the team at 980. Catch Cordell Woodland covers the Ravens with us at the top of the hour. Insight on the AFC Championship game this weekend. Insight on Mike McDonald and Anthony Weaver. Uh, but right now, insight from a man who is running the biggest event not named the NFL Combine on the scouting calendar. Jim Nagy is the executive director of the Senior Bowl and we caught up with him on Take Command about Adam Peters who we used to work with uh, back in New England with about all the, the, the prospects and kind of the shape of this draft. So uh, it's all in the interview. I, I don't need to set it up anymore. Here's our chat with Jim. Our guest today is Jim Nagy, the director of the Senior Bowl. Just a man who knows so much about everything going on this time of year in the NFL prospects front office folks got a great read on the coaching search uh type of candidates as well so jim appreciate your time here on take command
2: yeah guys thanks for having me on
0: Absolutely. i by the way, runs, uh, I think Logan and I's favorite event of this time of oh, year yeah, as well. Absolutely. I miss miss going down to mobile as a beat reporter now that I'm stuck in a studio every single day. But, uh, Jim, you have such a great feel, not just for the prospects that we'll talk about in a second, but for the front office type of folks around the NFL, um, commanders get Adam Peters, who is widely considered the best guy on the market. What's your experience been like with Adam and, and what do you think about that hire for Washington?
2: Yeah. AP and I were together for like seven years. I want to say in new England, um, uh, yeah, it was great. I, I'm happy for Adam. It was, it was a really good hire. He's he's, been, he's won everywhere he's been, you know, and so I, he's, he got out of that Patriots tree and, and kind of jumped into a new tree in Denver and, um, you know, he won there and then he, now he's won at San Francisco. So he's been a part of different winning organizations and not just the Patriot way. Um, you know, like I went to Seattle after New England, it was a completely different way to do things, which is so beneficial as a is a leader just to see different styles and different values, you know, value systems in a, in an organization. So no oh, happy for AP. He's obviously ready for it. Uh, he's been interviewing for these jobs for a while now, um, going through the interview process. And and he could be selective. He was in a great situation. Why would you leave the 49 organization when you're competing for Super Bowls right now if if you didn't believe it was a you know the right fit and the right thing to do. So just really happy for Adam. Happy for the commander's organization. They got a good football guy
3: yeah and obviously he's got a big decision coming up here in the draft obviously the coaching hire is going to be a big part of that but you know probably quarterback at two you guys obviously there's some there's that three kind of the cluster of three at the top there that everyone's really excited about but you guys got some big names at the senior bowl how do you view that pick and like what direction would you go if you're adam
2: yeah it's certainly going to be dependent upon if the whoever the new head coach is feels like sam howell could be a guy that you could work with because if if you don't have to go quarterback right there, I mean, you can, you can trade out. There's going to be people that want a quarterback. Um, so you could, you could, you could, you know, Adam could have, his first year um, go out and get a lot of draft capital, which for, for any personnel guys, a lot is fun to think about, right. Um, starting off a new program. So um, that's going to be key, obviously. And uh, but these three guys that, that are being talked about is the top three, Caleb and Drake and, and Jaden. Um, I watch more of, of Jaden Daniels than the other two guys. Um, you know, Jaden was the guy that uh, we invited. I went over there, Baton Rouge, and did a in-person invite with him and, and really thought we were going to get him here because for a long time, it was just Drake and Caleb. Um, and then after the Heisman thing, like the media jumped on Jaden and, you know, they've kind of ridden him all the way to the top of the draft now. So um, it'll be interesting. There are three different players now. I mean, Drake's down here training in Mobile right now for the, his draft process. and. Oh, uh, went out and saw him throw the other day, and and uh, went in and watched video with those guys at the workout, and um, so they're different, man. And I've seen a lot of Caleb, uh, you know, just doing tape of the USC guys over the years. So uh, they're gonna have three, three if if that's what they do, if they decide to stick there and and go quarterback. I mean, you're talking about three very different players.
0: For sure. And then you've got the guys that are coming down to mobile and the hot name right now coming into the week seems to be Bo Nix and there's thought he could rise all the way, you know, who knows top 10, maybe even like if, if all of a sudden he has the kind of week that we think he can have in mobile. Those of us that like him. Um, how does that change the contour of this draft?
2: Well, it just brings more more quarterbacks into play early. You're probably going to see more movement in terms of the draft. You're going to maybe see some teams trading around, that that sort of thing. But, yeah, and he, to me, I, I, I've always liked Bo. Um, mm. You know, had a lot of exposure to him down here in the state of Alabama when he was a high school player. He's, he's the last guy in our state that's won back-to-back state titles at the 7A level, which is our biggest level of high school football down here. Um, you know, obviously started right away at Auburn. We were actually – we had a scout at his first game. We were scouting Justin Herbert. Um, in Bo's first game as a starter there at Auburn. And the ironic thing was, it's funny, we got I've got on field video from that scout of that day. And Bo ended up wearing Justin's number 10 at Oregon by the time he was done. But I'll say this: like in terms of what Bo brings to the table, um, in my in my opinion, was you know, the biggest thing he did the last two years and the most impressive thing he did at Oregon, he shed a lot of bad habits. He developed a lot of bad habits at, at Auburn, playing behind kind of a porous offensive line and he, he became kind of a sandlot player which is a cool thing to have that's a really cool tool to have at the next level when you're trying to learn in the nfl to be able to run around and make stuff happen off off script and he did that at auburn but then he goes to eugene and they really rein him in and he you know because mechanically he broke down decision making he broke down and he really reined it in and, and, and shed some bad habits um in really one year and then uh and had a couple different coordinators in Eugene. So there's a lot to like, man. I'll say this like, he is all about football. When out, when because he's training down here as well with Drake May, and to be around those two guys. And his dad was actually out there watching the, his dad's, his dad just won another 7A state title down here this year. Um, so it is a football family, man. This dude is all about football and all about competing. And the teams are going to love that, right? Like, the other three guys decided they didn't want to do this. I mean, this kid is going to take every opportunity to compete. So uh, he is a—he is just a football guy all the way. So I know like the interview part of the process is going to be really good to him.
3: Yeah, that's what it sounds like. I mean, when you hear people talk about people that love ball, I mean, especially scouts and people been around it. Obviously, it kind of speaks to, to, to something that's like that kind of that intangible quality. It's always fun to talk about. But you also have some other really interesting quarterbacks down there. Um, you got Joe Milton and you got the guy from, uh, gosh, I forget his name at the moment, Tulane, Tulsa. Is that right? Yeah, Where Mike,
2: Mike, Michael Pratt from Tulane. He's that. are he's the, he's the
3: sleeper. Yeah. That are very kind of talented. They all have their own wards. It just, I, I, you know, credit to you, man. You guys seem to get very, very talented people every single year. What do you think about those guys? And What do you think about the rest of the quarterback class? Spencer Rattler also in that group.
2: Yeah, I would say just hitting them real quick. Michael Penix was a big get for us. You know at The start of the year, if you would have told me we could get Bo yeah. and Michael, we, and you know, and I thought we were going to get Jaden at one point. Those would have been the big three of the senior class. Uh, you know, but Penix and Bo were kind of the faces of college football this year. They both ended up in New York. So, um, you know, what? Michael is a great deep ball thrower, very accurate. I mean, that's hard. That's hard to find. Um, but he's also got. A lot more arm strength. I mean, just because you can throw it accurately deep doesn't mean you have, you know, a really strong arm. But he does. I mean, I can't wait for the teams to see this guy throw on a field. Um, I saw him three summers ago at the Manning camp over in Thibodeau, and uh, this dude can hum it now. So it's it's going to look really good on the practice field. Michael Pratt, to me, is the sleeper of the group. I right. think a lot of teams have starter grades on Michael Pratt. You know, he's a he's a group of five guys, so you don't hear a lot about him in the mainstream media, but. This is a dude that lifted a program. I mean, he took Tulane to a Cotton Bowl, a Cotton Bowl win over Caleb Williams two years ago. Um, they only lost one game in the regular season this year. He's a winner. He's accurate. He's extremely tough. He can process. Like, he he does a lot of things at a high level that NFL starters do. Um, Spencer Rattler is a guy that, uh, and I've said this on some other podcasts. Like, there's always guys in the draft that that uh, when you talk to guys in the league, I'm like, okay, the league's way higher on this guy than the media is right now. And and usually it catches up. Like usually once we get through the process, by the time we get to April, the media talks to enough guys in the league where they catch on. The league's fired up to see Spencer Rattler here. He's another guy they think can be an NFL starter. And then and Joe Milton is a guy that uh, I think I, I think he threw the ball 86 yards at the Manning camp this <laughs> summer. I mean, he's he's got a, a rocket launcher for an arm. He'll have the strongest arm down here probably since like, Josh Allen and Justin Herbert he's in that category of of like arm strength so so he'll be a lot of fun to watch as well so it's it's a really cool group of players uh
0: on the other side of the ball I think one of the biggest needs for Washington is to find a premier edge they obviously traded away Chase and Montez uh at the deadline how how does that class look overall And, and who are some of the names to watch next week for you guys down in uh in Mobile
2: I would say it's a thin group, um, you know, compared to past years, you're going to have to go get one up high. If you, if you're going to get one, I you're, you're not going to get much if you wait. Um, it really thinned out for us, uh, for, for the senior bowl. It really did. I mean, there was maybe five, six, seven guys, and then a, a huge cliff on our board. So, um, Latu is coming to the senior bowl. He's got a chance to be our highest drafted player this year. Last year, Darnell Wright was our highest player at number 10 overall. Um, Latu is a guy that, uh, Bottom line, he knows how to rush the passer, man. Like he he knows how to set guys up. He's got a really good feel for it. He's a guy that's never out of a rush. Like you can you can cut him off and stymie him, and he he just knows how to stay in it and, and you know counter and and work a, a second or sometimes third move. And he plays his tail off. So it's not like he's just like this technician. Right. Um, so he's he's a really accomplished uh, pass rusher. And then some other guys down here, Marshawn Nealand is a name that I think people are going to learn what, you know, coming out of senior bowl week, Adisa, Isaac at Penn state. Um, And Chris Braswell is a guy at Alabama that really got overshadowed the last two years by Will Anderson, Dallas Turner. Uh, But, you know, I've seen Chris's name in some of these mock first round drafts and, you know, he probably belongs up there. He's going to test well at the combine. And he's one of the rare five-star guys at Bama that like didn't play right away and really had to like earn his time and bite his time to get on the field. And then when he did, he really had a breakout year this year as a senior. So, so those are a few names. I, I, I think Braswell and and Latu will probably go the highest of the group, and who knows, maybe maybe Nealon and Adisa will will sneak up there too in the second round.
3: Yeah, obviously Washington's picking there in the second round, and there's the guys that I think are interesting from like a height, weight, speed standpoint in that group, like Darius Robinson and Miles Cole from Texas Tech. Like, what do you think about those guys? And like in terms of edge and just from having traits, um, like could they elevate their draft stock with a good performance at the senior bowl?
2: Yeah, I think I didn't mention those guys. Cause I think they're, they're probably more like five techniques. that are oh, interesting. Than, than yeah. true. They're big
3: guys. They're big body guys for sure.
2: They're big body guys and in and, and Missouri played Darius Robinson out there on the edge this year. So he was like a jumbo edge for those guys. And I do yeah. think he runs well enough where he could do that. Like in what I, my last, last team I worked for was the Seahawks and we had a, a Leo position in our four, three defense that, that uh, Bruce Irvin played. I could see Darius doing that at 290 pounds. I mean, this guy, he is a, he is an absolute specimen. If you guys aren't going to make it to mobile, if you saw this dude, like (laughs) the old getting off the bus deal, like he's the first one off the bus. Um, And he made a nice jump on tape this year. He, he was, he was eligible for last year's senior bowl, kind of fell right below the line. We had him in the fifth round. I think he's definitely going on day two this year. Um, and then Miles Cole is going to be the longest guy in the draft. He's got like an 87 inch wingspan. Yeah. It's, it's really freaky. So, um, and he's a guy that can kind of move up and down the front. So it'll be a big week for Miles. I think you know people question instincts a little bit um, with Miles, yeah. but he's he's going to test really well. He's super long. So in, in a league that's just like valuing traits more and more year in year out, um, Miles Cole is not going to fall too. If he does make it to day three, he probably will make it to day three. Um, but I, I don't see him lasting very long on day three.
0: Yeah. Logan will be down there. Uh, he will have to get our bus report. I will merely <laughs> sit here in this chair and ask him for the bus report. Uh, last thing for you, Jim, probably we might be able to sweep in one more, uh, tight on time here on the way out. I saw your tweet last week about kind of the depth of this draft. There is a ton at the top. And I, th- I think people have been obsessed with the top of this draft because of how strong the quarterback class is, et cetera. Obviously in mm-hmm. Washington, we're psyched because we're at the top. Um, but it does apparently really thin out how unique is this kind of draft class in that way and how do you think it ultimately affects the draft with teams potentially trading out on day three and trying to to maybe get some more picks in the future
2: yeah this is like an hour-long answer so we're gonna have to pick this up <laughs> on another episode um deal no, done. It, w- it was a really strange dynamic guys really, i'll try to pull it together as quickly as I can. Like we can bring underclassmen this year. So that was a different dynamic. So in terms of like the invite process, we couldn't just invite 120 or 130 seniors right out of the shoot. We had to like reserve certain roster spots at each each position and then kind of play the waiting game to see who, who was going to come out. And then if we could get them in the game or not. Um, so what happened was when guys weren't getting invites in December a lot of these guys kind of, and this is from agents. This isn't me like pontificating. This is from the agent community telling me that what happened and what coaches have told me what happened. Some players like push the panic button that like, Oh my, that didn't get a senior bowl invite. Like that must be the league doesn't value me. So they, they jumped in the portal or they took, they, you know, they agreed to an NIL deal and they're going back to school. So then when, when, when we got to like January and we still had roster spots available because some of the juniors stayed in or we didn't get those juniors, and we wanted to circle back to the next, you know, work down the board, I would start making calls and they're like, you know, Jim, he transferred here. He's, he's committed NIL here. So like the whole depth of day three just got totally wiped off our board. So um, I, again, I'm not, I'm not complaining. We got the players we wanted for the senior bowl, but from a draft perspective to me, rounds five through seven completely fell apart. They're all going to be back in college football next year. So if I'm a team that's holding a lot of day 3 capital, I'm looking maybe to maneuver around on day, you know, day 1 and day 2 and trade picks and move up and go get the guys we want up high
0: yeah no that makes a lot of sense and obviously washington fortunately has five picks in the top 100 uh so they can hopefully get in with uh, what they need before that drop off but gonna be interesting to watch for sure uh jim logan i'll see you next week uh I, i've got to get down there next year i i missed coming down there when i used to be on the beat up here um always a great event uh, you guys have such a tremendous group this year we look forward to watching it on tv those of us that won't be mobile, and uh we will definitely have you back to unpack that answer and and, and much more uh sometime after the uh after you get done with uh, your your day job down there with with the Senior Bowl next week,
2: <laughs> well, awesome! Thanks for having me on, guys. Logan, I'll see you next week. Yep, thanks.
0: Logan and I then were able to react to everything that Jim had to say there on Take Command, uh, including talking more about trading back and all the all the different quarterback stuff. It is a one of my favorite episodes we've done in a while. So definitely worth checking out the Take Command podcast wherever you get your pods. Of course, if you ever miss any part of this show, highly recommend checking out our podcast as well. The Hoffman show podcast available. In all of those same places. When we get back, Cordell Woodland covers the Ravens, hosts uh, the sister podcast, actually, to Take Command. The Ravens version up in Baltimore also happens to be uh, top secret to the Baltimore folks, but happens to be a big Commanders fan. So we'll get his takes on Mike McDonald, Anthony Weaver, the two coaches that the Commanders will interview for the head coaching spot here next week. Uh, And obviously we will also preview the AFC championship game. Five o'clock hours, pretty much all playoff preview. We'll get into the Wizards a little more at six o'clock and then back to some of the quarterback talk as well. It's a Friday edition of the Hoffman Show on the Team 980 and always live on the free Odyssey app.